So today, I want us to look at uh, this topic of walking in faith and not in fear. Walking in faith, not in fear. We've been doing a little series on walking in faith. And uh, again, some, did you know that fear could be one of those things that rob our faith? Uh, did you know that fear is sweeping our nation? It's been going on for quite some time, for several years, but especially since 2020 with the coronavirus and the COVID and that kind of thing, every, it's almost like everybody just got afraid. But did you know when you start down that path, it's hard to get out of it? And so we're going to be talking about some things regarding fear today. Fear has enveloped the United States and the world like it never has before, possibly. And the reason for that is because of the social media and the news media. I mean, there, throughout history, there's been pockets of that. But now it's like it's all over the place. Um, it's a frightening time. We don't know what's going on in our country. We're not, going, we're not sure what's going on with our leadership. We're not sure what's going on at the border. We're not sure what's going on anywhere. And so it can be a frightening time for us. Um, today, I want to I help you with this fear and, and maybe even release some of it and help you to get to a place where you can walk in faith, even in difficult seasons. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going today. Uh, so here's 13 things, uh, 13 <laughs> observations regarding fear. 13 observations regarding fear. Uh, number one, fear is not your friend. Fear will not protect you. I do a lot of counseling, and sometimes a person who's walking in fear, it's very difficult sometimes for them to release it because one of the reasons is because they've accepted it as something that's going to protect them. And they're afraid if they release fear, then they're not, they're not going to be protected anymore. Did you know that that's not God's shield? Did you understand that? Fear is not God's shield. Well, do, you, do you remember what God's shield is? A, a shield of faith, right? So fear is just the opposite of faith. So if you're walking in fear and you're shielding yourself, well, let me, and perhaps some of you have walked in fear before and you've used fear as a shield. Let me ask you a question. Uh, has that protected you very well? No, it's a false shield. Actually, it's a false shield. Um, at some point, fear will embrace you. And at some point, and you, some of you may be here today, and there are night terrors and nightmares that you have to deal with constantly. The reason for that is that you allowed fear in somewhere in your life. That's the reason for that. And you can, you can be released from the night terrors and the nightmares when you release the fear from your life. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, fear will not keep a person from getting sick. Now, we talked about coronavirus, and it's okay to be cautious, especially when you're around somebody, you know, that's carrying some kind of disease or virus. It's okay to step back and say, I'll check with you next week. 
Okay? It's okay to do that. It's okay to be cautious. It's okay not to step in front of a train when it's running down the track. It's okay to do that. That's not fear. That's smarts. Okay? So I'm not telling you to just go put yourself in everybody, everybody's stuff. What I'm saying is that you need to be cautious, but not be fearful. And there is a difference. Um, fear, and Craig can vouch for this, fear actually compromises the immune system. It actually causes you to get sick when you normally would not would have gotten sick because you have allowed fear in July. Number three, fear is not from God. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So it's not from God. And so if you're embracing fear, you're embracing things that are not from God. You're actually embracing things that are from Satan. Because fear is not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. We have an emotion of fear, which sometimes can keep us out of danger. But it shouldn't be something that would you, you run on constantly. Fear is not of God. However, and we find in this scripture that God uh, gives us power, love, and a sound mind. Now, I didn't put this on. There could have been 25 of these things, okay? Uh, I just chose to stop there. But did you know that fear will rob you of a sound mind? Would it, will remind, it will rob you of love. Fear will, remind, uh, will rob you of, of uh, God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power. Did you know that God would, that sphere will rob you of power. It'll do it. And so what we're trying to do is become what God wants to be, powerful, loving, and mentally capable. Sometimes I think I'm losing it. But that's where we want to be. God says he's given us that. And so we, that's what we need to walk in, not in the spirit of fear. Another thing scripture says is fear is a spirit. Uh, again, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So this passage says that God, uh, that fear is a spirit. And number five, fear is one of Satan's greatest weapons to silence God's people. Just make us shut up. Uh, we need to be bold. We need to tell people we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We, not, we need not be timid or not be ashamed. In some translations, it says God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Uh, we need to be bold in our uh, conversations. We not, need not be hampered by fear to let somebody else know that we are Christians and these are some principles we stand on. Number six, anyone who tries to control you through fear is using a tool of Satan and not of God. Do you know of anybody that has a control issue? Did you know that fear is the root cause of control? And that if people, people who have control issues feel like if they lose control, they're, they're go something horrible is going to happen. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just allowed God to be in control? instead of ourselves, wouldn't that be awesome? Do you think he could fix it 
better than ourselves? Number seven, anxiety is fierce kissing cousin. And causes depression. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good, good word makes it glad. You know, when a person goes to the clinic for depression, they give them anxiety medications. Right? That's what they get them. Why do they give them anxiety medications? Some of them haven't even read God's word. They don't know that wisdom given from God. And yet they give them anxiety medications because they know because of clinical studies that anxiety causes depression. God had it before anyone else did. Anxiety causes depression. Uh, number eight, fear will control you and your every decision if you yield to it. No decision you make will ever be made outside of fear if you allow fear to make that decision for you. Um, and I, So I think I've already did nine, so maybe there's only 12. Fear causes people to be controlling. Number 10, fear cancels faith. It's impossible to walk in faith when you have fear. Faith, number 11, and fear are similar in that both project a predetermined outcome. Let me explain a little bit about what that means. Whatever your greatest fear is, you're going to attract that to yourself. And the reason it is because you're going to... Let me give you an illustration. There was a young man one time who was afraid he would never get married. He wanted to get married, but he was afraid he'd never get married. And so he would see a young lady that he was attracted to, and his fear would either do this, his fear would cause him to go into hiding and not say anything, or his fear would cause him to pursue her to the extent she thought, uh, he was stalking her. Okay? Uh, this is a true story. True story. Fear will cause... And so either way, you don't get the result you're hoping for because fear has caused that to come upon you. Okay? And you can go, to, go down any rabbit trail and you'll come to the same end. All right? Uh Jim, is that what happened to you? What you do? You, okay, I see your wife laughing. Uh, she had to probably go after you, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so another one. Uh, uh, where are we? Number twelve. Because fear is the opposite of faith then fear is the number one cause for Christians to not hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to their spirit. So if you're having a hard time hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying, then probably the first thing I would do is find out what fear is in my life. 
that's hindering that. I would renounce it. I would confess it. I would repent of it. Because if you're not hearing from the Holy Spirit, then you're missing a huge area of life that God wants to give to you. Okay? When I'm in a counseling session and we're praying and it's silent in the counseling session, because usually I can feel when they're hearing something. I don't always know what they're hearing, but I feel if they're hearing or not. And when it's silent, I say, what are you afraid of? Because something is blocking. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. That's his desire is to convey his truth to us. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, right? So if we're seeking direction from him and we're not hearing anything, the number one reason is because there's fear. The number two reason is because you've got unforgiveness in your heart. But number one is because of fear, okay? Number 13. Probably these reasons and others are the reason the Bible instructs us over 600 times not to fear. Now, let me, I haven't, I haven't numbered them. This is what I've been told. This is what I've read. I haven't gone through scripture and said, oh, number one, number two, number three. Okay. But I, I take other people's word for it who have numbered them. And it's a, over 600 times. Scripture says, don't fear, don't be anxious, fret not. Um, there's even one place, depending on your translation, says, do not stress. Okay. Or David says, I've, I, I'll have to find it. I've forgotten where it is now. It's in the New Living Translation. New Living Translation talks about stress. So, anyway, you may say, Pastor, we have a lot of reasons to fear. Can't you see what's going on around us? China spying on us. Our southern borders being overrun by drug cartels. Not to mention the sex trafficking that's taking place. And not to, not to mention the small children who are just being abandoned by their parents. It's a horrible situation. It's a horrible situation. Thousands coming to our country illegally every day. Uh, someone is being shot and killed daily in our cities. Crime is rampant. Prices of food and other commodities are escalating with no end in sight. The dollar shrinking in value. In 2020, 20% of all pregnancies in an abortion. 2,550 children a day were being murdered. Sexual perversion is no longer in the closets, but is parading in our streets, on our television, on social media, and it's no wonder the United States is in the mess we're in. Our leaders are making decisions that take us further and further from the mandates and principles of God that he has laid out for us, and on and on and on we could go. And I know that you, some of you say, man, I need to go right now. This is a depressing sermon. But wait, there's more. So when I think, you know, and I'm 65 years old, 
I know I don't look it. Probably look 80, but. Uh, but when I was growing up, and, and compared to what the way things are now, we have fallen a long, long, long way. And I have a tendency to think, is there any hope? Is there any hope? It, it appears that we're on a road of self-destruction. And already under the judgment of God. Now, it, and you know, looking at it, it's hard to say whether or not we're under the judgment of God if it's just our own consequences of the stupid decisions we've made. Right? I mean, sometimes we blame God for our predicament when we're the one that's brought it upon ourselves. Okay? So, whether or not we're under the judgment of God, I don't know that. I, I know that if we keep going this direction, there will be a judgment. I know that. Um, when I began to look at the woes of our country, fear will sometimes poke its ugly head up. And try to engulf me and overwhelm me. And then the question arises, is there any hope for our nation? And I've pondered that quite often. Is there any hope that God will come through one more time on our behalf? He's done it in the past. Will he do it again? Now, some modern-day prophets are proclaiming that is going to be the case. And we see a, a, a revival that's in Asbury, Kentucky, and things are just... Uh, God is just moving there, and my prayer is that it will move to Tillamook, and that'll take place in Tillamook. I've heard that revival fires are breaking out in different parts of our country, and I'm thinking, do it again, Lord. Do it one more time. Do it again. Are these prophets, are, really, are they really hearing from you? Because here's the deal. Scripture says don't despise the prophets, but test all things, right? So when I read or hear them prophesying, I'm like, I'm not immediately like, woohoo. You know, some of you may be like, come on. But I, I, I'm like, uh, Lord, I have to hear from you on this subject. I need to hear what you're saying, not what everybody else is saying. I need to hear what you're saying. It looks hopeless. But as I was preparing, the Lord made that sent me to a passage of Scripture this morning that I want to bring to your attention. And it has to do with Israel in a time in Israel's life when they, they were going down a bad road. They were going down a horrible road. As I, do you remember a king named Ahab? What was his wife's name? Jezebel. Two of the worst leaders in the nation's history. Jezebel was from the Sidonians, and she, with her, she brought all of these 
gods and goddesses, Ashtra, Baal, and, and she promoted the worship of these gods, and Israel just kind of went, ooh, let's, let's, let's party on. And they enjoyed the worship of these gods because there's a lot of perversion in it and that kind of thing. And then Ahab died in a war. And his son, Joram, took over the kingship. Now, Jezebel was still alive. And so there was a nation... China, I'm sorry, Syria, who has come against them. And Syria was making plans to attack the Israelites. You know, when, when nations move away from God, God allows other nations to come in and begin to uh, mess up what those nations thought they had going. <clears throat> so Syria was planning this attack on Israel. We find this in Second uh, Kings six, and I'm not going to read to you the whole thing. In Second Kings chapter six, verses eight through twenty-three, uh, the king of Syria says, "Let's go and fight against Israel." And so they would make a campaign, and they would go to where they thought the Israelites were going to be, and there wouldn't be anyone there. They had been there the day before, the week before, but they're not there now. So I said, okay, we're going to make another campaign, and we're going to go over here. I, that's where our spies saw them last. And so we're going over here, we're going to fight against the Israelites, and they get there, and there was no Israelites. And the king of Syria says, what in the world's going on? Somebody in our midst, in our council, is going and telling the Israelites what we're going to do and where we're going to be. And one of the guys spoke up, said, no, that's not, we're, there's no traitors here. What's taking place is when you, when we meet together as a council, God tells the prophet in Israel what your plans are. And so no matter what you say here, the prophet knows. And so they make plans so that your plans won't succeed. And the king of Syria said, Ah, let's go get that guy. Let's go get him. His name was Elisha. And so he goes, he, sa he sends an army, his Syrian army surrounds Dothan. And Elisha's like, he and his servant Gehazi, there, and, and the entire army is surrounding Dothan. The servant is like, Elisha, what are we going to do? The entire army has surrounded us. What are we going to How would you be? Yeah, right? Oh, this is ugly. What's going to happen? And Elisha says and to Gehazi, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with God. And I can picture Gehazi looking around and said, more with us. I'm, I'm sorry, he said, there's more with us than, than with them, more than, than the Syrian army. And I can picture Gehazi said, 
One, two. Ah, but something's not adding up. Right? I would have been, I'd probably like Gehazi, like Elisha. Have you gone off your rocker? What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Because what I'm seeing is not healthy. And then Elisha prays. You know, when you're in a difficult situation, it's always good to pray, right? It's good to pray when you're not in a difficult situation. But Elisha was able to see something that Gehazi wasn't able to see. And so what he does is he prays that God would open Gehazi's eyes so that he could see what Elisha is seeing. And so the Lord opened the eyes of Gehazi, and he saw. This is what he saw. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Wow. Wow. You know what I believe? God believe God, in the midst of all this garbage that's going on, I believe God is doing something marvelous. I believe that whether, I, I wish I could see what's going on in the heavenlies. I wish God would open my eyes and it's like, oh, but you know what? I just have to take it on faith because he hasn't opened my eyes to that. But I believe with all my heart that God is up to something. I believe with all my heart that America's not finished yet. I believe with all my heart that there's going to be one more time when God sends revival upon his land. I believe that with all my heart. Not because the prophet said it, but because I feel like that's what God told me. And I don't want you to, I don't, I don't want you to go home and say, well, I just got to believe everything Pastor Brad says. What I want you to do is go home and seek what God says. See what he has to say about this situation. Man, I love that story. I love that story. God can do for us what he did for them. Do not fear. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And there's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of them. But there's more with us than there is with them. Many of you came today with concerns about the situation regarding the United States. <clears throat> What's going to take place? Uh, who's going to be elected president in the next few years? Uh, what's going to take place? Are we going to continue to go down this road? Are we going to, is the Lord going to bring us out? <clears throat> we'll see. Right? But even if things don't go the way you hope they do, there's nothing to fear. Because the Lord is on the throne. He has the final say. 
and he will do what's right for his children. He will do it. And some of you here today are concerned because you have some personal problems, some personal issues, some, some things in your own life that you're trying to work out. And right now, the issues of the United States doesn't really factor in because you've got your own garbage, you've got your own stuff. And I get that, right? We go through stuff. Every one of us go through seasons when all we can think about is, Lord, are you going to get me through this? Are you going to get me through this? If that's where you are today, I want you to look back in your life and look at the different times in your life where the Lord has brought you out of that before. You recall what he's brought you out of. Time after time after time. I think that's one of the reasons that God had Israel write down the record of him coming through every time, every time, every time, because they wanted to look back. And every time you read that, your faith is built, right? So you go back and you think about, if you haven't been keeping a journal, you go back and think about a journal in your head, uh, all of the ways that God has brought you out of that Wherever you are today, God will bring you out of this too. He's just as faithful now as he was then. He's not forgotten about you. He still loves you. He still cares about you. In Psalms 121, <clears throat> 1 through 8, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he, watches, he who watches over Israel, over you, never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as you protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come in and you, as you go out, both now and forever. <clears throat> so the question is, will we trust him? Will we release the fear and begin just to trust him with every step of our lives? <clears throat> will you surrender his watch care? Would you surrender your life, your plans into his plans? Psalm 46, 11, 1 through 11 says, God is our refuge and strength. Always, say always, ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear, say not fear, when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea, let the oceans roar and foam, let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies, say Lord of heaven's armies, is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. 
Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow, snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. I will be honored in the United States. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, I read that and then I picture Gehazi and I picture Elisha. The God of heaven's armies, the Lord of heaven's armies is all around us. We may not see him, but he's there. And we can trust him. We can trust him. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. Praise the Lord. This passage says that there will come a time when every nation will honor the Lord. Every nation. <clears throat> Whether you are a believer or not, at this point in your life, there will come a time when Scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. I want you to know today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to remove sin, to remove fear, and to put on the new. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day to remove the rotten clothes of fear from your life. Today is the day to put on the garment of praise. Today is the day to turn from trusting yourself to trusting the Lord. Cast your burden on him because he cares for you. We'll ask the worship team to come forward, come up. <clears throat> and as they come, perhaps today you are burdened with a load of care. Perhaps today you are there's fear in your life. And I know that I know that I know that God wants to break that off of you. Some of you here today have never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You don't know what it means to walk in peace and walk in freedom. God wants to give that to you today. Now let's stand together as we sing, but I want to pray for you as well. Father, I come before you today, and I pray over this congregation. All the worries, all the cares. Lord, we just give you praise and glory for what you're doing. But Lord, there's some here today that need to make a decision for you. And Lord, I pray that they would not be able just to sit still, but Lord, that they would walk and receive what you have for them. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name.